Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you, and happy first Sunday of Advent to everybody. You know, when I was a high school student many years ago, a very wise uh, Benedictine nun, who was one of my history teachers, gave me a template for understanding Advent that is very simple but very clear, and I've never forgotten it. She said, Advent's about three comings of Christ. So Adventus just means arrival or coming. Christ came in history, Christ comes to us today, and Christ will come definitively at the end of time. Simple template, but really helpful. And I find the readings for our first Sunday of Advent correspond beautifully to this template. Let's take a look at the first reading, which is from the 33rd chapter of the prophet Jeremiah. And it speaks very clearly now of the historical coming of Christ. Listen. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and Judah. In those days, in that time, I will raise up for David a just shoot. Uh, Fulton Sheen, one of the heroes of uh, Word on Fire, said, the only religious founder whose coming was clearly predicted was Jesus. <laughs> and think about it. Uh, the Old Testament is filled with anticipations of the coming of the Messiah, this anointed figure. And when at last he came, his followers made reference constantly to those anticipations. How often in the Gospels you hear that little phrase, katatagrapha, which means according to the writings, according to the scriptures. So, Jesus is seen as the fulfillment of all the institutions of Israel. He's the definitive temple. He's the fulfillment of the covenant. He's the law or the Torah incarnate. All that Israel represented now came to its fullest expression in Jesus. He came in history 2,000 years ago, bringing Israel to fulfillment and becoming thereby the fulcrum of all history. He became the point by which we understand time. Isn't it marvelous, by the way, that still, at least in the West, but really all over the world, we still measure time by his adventus. We still speak of things, you know, when I was a kid, we said just before Christ, and then we said A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of the Lord. And we still gauge time just that way. And that speaks of a very important truth, everybody, that... History does not climax in, let's say, the 18th century, which is what many moderns believe. You know, the 18th century with the great political revolutions, with the scientific revolution, that's when the modern world was born. Everything before that is, is dark and obscurantist. Everything after that participates in, in modernity and progress. The turning point of history is the 18th century. No, no, say Christians, not at all. In fact, the 18th century, yes, gave us many good things, but modernity, 
I don't know. I think game has a lot of bad things besides. That's not the fulcrum of history. Rather, the decisive moment, we look back now to the first historical Adventus Christi, the first coming of Christ, made all the difference, his dying and his rising. That's the still point around which all of history revolves. And so it's very important, everyone, on this first Sunday of Advent that we do indeed look back to that moment, to that time. Something happened. Something broke into history that was unexpected. And we do look back at it with deep spiritual attention. That's part of what Advent means. But now let's keep following my, uh, my high school uh, instructor. The second dimension of Advent has to do with the Adventus Christi, the coming of Christ, that is happening now. Not just a long time ago, but now in the life of the church. And here, our second reading, taken from one of the earliest Christian texts we have, Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Some argue that's the very first letter that Paul wrote, certainly an early one. Listen to him. Brothers and sisters, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. We earnestly ask and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should conduct yourselves to please God. Now, what's Paul talking about here? But the coming right now of Christ into the minds and the hearts, and yes, indeed, into the bodies of those who follow him. You know, Paul would have known with all the first Christians that we live in this age now where Christ has sent his Holy Spirit to guide the work and activity of his church. Christ's Spirit now wants to dwell in us. Think of the image from the book of Revelation of Jesus knocking on the door of our hearts. Christ, right now, especially on this first Sunday of Advent, Christ coming right now, knocking on the door of your mind and your heart so that he might enter and then see, accomplish this. May he make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. That's the sign of the Adventus Christi in our hearts now, that we become more and more people of love. Now, in the first coming, he presented himself in the context of ancient Israel, right? Emerging as the, as the climax of that history, the fulfillment of Israel. But now in this coming today, he presents himself in the context of the church. I always love uh, my, my intellectual hero, Francis George of Chicago, would say that just as you can't know me apart from my body, so I mean, you, you see this image of me now, you hear my voice and so on. So in the same way, Christ can't be known apart from his body, and that means for us, his mystical body of the church. Church is not extraneous to Christ, not just a mere human organization entered into by those who follow him. No, it's much more dramatic than that, much more organic than that. The church is the vehicle by which Christ becomes present to his people. And so in the coming today of Christ, it's the context of the church that matters. So now we're talking about the sacraments especially the Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life. We're talking about the saints, the witness of the saints. We're talking about the art and the architecture of the church. We're talking about good preaching. We're talking about the poor. 
Didn't Jesus say, whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do it to me. That's what I'm talking about. That's not the church as some little human organization off on the side. That's the church as the mystical body of Jesus. And so in the cry of the poor, in the face of the suffering poor, we have access to Christ who's knocking right now in the door of our hearts. Okay, so everybody, on this first Sunday of Advent, we do indeed look back at this decisive moment in history, and we look around right now, and we say, okay, the most important decision I can possibly make, more important than my decisions regarding my job or my education or even my family and my country, more important than any of those, is the decision, do I allow Christ into my life to become my Lord. And so on this first Sunday of the Adventus Christi, we look around. We listen for that knock on the door of our hearts. And are we willing and able to let him in? Okay, let's keep following my high school teacher. We look back to the coming of Christ. We look around to Christ coming now into our minds and hearts. And on this first Sunday of Advent, we look forward to the definitive coming of Christ at the end of time. Here's an important point, everyone, to, to see. For Christians, history has a trajectory. It's not just one thing after another. Nor is it just a, a cyclical, you know, return of the same, a constant repetition over and over again. No, no. Those of us who come out of the biblical imagination know that history has a trajectory. It's moving somewhere. It's moving toward its culmination. It's about something. And what's it about? It's about Christ's second coming, we call it, when he comes, Adventus, at the end of time to draw all things to himself, to bring history to its fulfillment and culmination. With that in mind, let's turn now to our third reading, the gospel for today. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Listen. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Reference there to the 7th chapter of the book of Daniel, by the way, the coming of the Son of Man on a cloud. But the important thing here is he's talking about the falling apart of the political order, all those things that govern human life, but even the falling apart of the cosmic structures. This old fallen world giving way to what the Bible calls a new heavens and a new earth. God's purpose is finally to save and transfigure and transform time and space and history and the earth and our very bodies. And that culminating moment we associate with the second coming of Christ at the end of time. Notice, please, everybody, that the church lives in this kind of in-between time. So looking back 2,000 years ago, that was the fulcrum of history, absolutely. The dying and rising of Jesus, and we measure time by that, things that came before it, things that come after it, because that was the moment. We look back. 
But then we also look forward to this definitive coming of Christ. And where do we live? Well, in the in-between zone. Has the battle been won, the decisive battle? Yeah, it has. In the dying and rising of Jesus, sin and death have been in principle conquered. But is the fight over? No, there's a kind of mop-up operation, if you want. I often use that image of, this is for history buffs, after the, the Normandy invasion, right, in June 1944, you know, prescient people would have said, yeah, Hitler's finished. You know, once the Allies had broken through and it was just a matter of time before Hitler would fall, but yet there was still a lot of fighting ahead, including that terrible Battle of the Bulge in the winter of 44 or 45. Uh, there was, a, there was quite a, a slog ahead, even though the battle had essentially been won at Normandy. But we still had work to do before the war was finally over. Well, that's where the church lives, in between that fulcrum moment 2,000 years ago and the definitive coming of Christ. And in that in-between time, what do we do? Well, we, we try to welcome him into our hearts now so that we can get into his army and fight the good fight. So there's a way to think of, of the three comings, history, now, future, of how they are tied together. You know, just maybe a last thought. People wonder, like, especially for, for Christians who believe in, in God, they believe in Jesus and God's providence, how come our lives are still so fraught with danger and anxiety and failure? Well, because we're still waiting for the definitive coming. Notice, please, and, and once you see this, you start seeing it everywhere in the liturgy. The liturgy is constantly reminding us of the second coming. Just a couple of examples. Um, as we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're not talking there about his coming in time. That's happened. But now, in hope. So we're not there yet. We're still beset by anxieties. But in hope, we await the coming of our Savior. So, first Sunday of Advent, we look back. Yep. Fascinated by this turning point in history. We look around, ready to make a decision right now to let Christ into our hearts. And we look forward that one day, at the end of time, when God will be all in all, history and the earth and our bodies will come to their fulfillment. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.